Upsflyer presents Winning in the Nordics with Anneli Nash. Welcome to Winning in the Nordics. I'm your host, Anneli Nash, and I'll meet some of the most interesting marketers, investors, and app developers across the region to learn from their success stories. I'm the founder of AIM4, your partner for digital marketing and growth, and this podcast is a collaboration with Appsflyer. Appsflyer provides mobile marketers with the technology they need to grow their apps and create exceptional user experiences. Today's guest has a distinguished CV with more than 15 years of experience from the entertainment, TV and music industry. He's held several prestigious positions at TV4, Sony Music, BMG and Prime. He's now Nordic Head of Content at Spotify, where he's responsible for strategy, creative development and adaption of Spotify's content-driven initiatives to make sure inspired listeners can connect with passionate artists and creators. Welcome to the podcast, Johan Seidefors. Thank you. And now in short, before we continue about Spotify, because maybe some of you need it, most of us use Spotify every day, but Spotify transformed the music listening forever when it launched in Sweden in 2008. Today you can discover more than 70 million tracks for free. It's the most popular global audio streaming service with 365 million users, including 165 million subscribers across 178 markets. Insane. Uh, And it's the largest driver of revenue to the music business today. And uh, it's here we find you, Johan. Yes. So I'm really curious. And let me uh, get started right away by asking, uh, you have more than 70 million tracks one can listen to for free. Why did you decide to launch podcasts as part of your product? Uh, Fair question. I think uh, I would say that it's uh, I mean looking back on it we've been doing this for for almost five years now I think uh, working actively with podcasts I think it's proven by the behavior of our listeners and users obviously this was something that they were looking for and and uh, that has broadened our ability to to uh, reach the ears of our listeners uh, both on the music side but also engage with new types of listeners on the podcast side so it's been it's been a way for us to broaden our offer while at least from what we've seen so far, uh, benefit the, the music side as well. Podcast listeners who came in as podcast listeners tend to increase uh, the the music listening as well. So it's a sort of a win-win from the beginning. Interesting. Yeah. I think I heard sometimes that uh, like we've filled the amount of like visual uh, we can see in a day, but there is still room for more audio in our lives. Is that still true? Uh, it's something that we like to talk about for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously you can always find time to to watch more video, but if you think about it, it's it's pretty flooded market while audio has been underserved clearly and also undervalued, I think. And that's something we've been talking about from a commercial perspective in podcast. We feel that's part of our responsibility now is to build a sustainable business as well. I mean, and also, I mean, we're in the middle of sort of restructuring or or we had the opportunity, I think, together in the podcast industry to to sort of build the business we want so that we don't end up like a lot of other types of, of industries where maybe the playing field isn't as fair or as just as as one would like. So that's something we look at, too, if that was an answer to a question or not. But yeah. <laughs> Interesting. We will talk about this more, so we will dig into that. But I mean, how has has the podcast constant uh, transformed your marketing position? And do you think it will transform you further in the future? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we uh, just from a position perspective, we went from from uh, talking about ourselves as the the biggest music service in the world, and obviously streaming paved way for 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 a big transformation in the way people engage with music but with podcasts we started talking about 
uh, being a talk platform, an audio platform, and and uh, so that was that was a necessary shift for us, definitely. And I think that's going to continue. I think, I mean, looking at podcast the way it is now, it's it's. I think we barely just scratched the surface. It's still very much what it was a, a few years ago, but we see that there's a creative input and ways to tell stories and and ways to to engage with listeners uh that's that's ahead of us that we think is going to transform the podcast industry a lot going forward that could be video or live or or whatever as a feature but it, ultimately it's about telling stories and connecting mm. with your listener and now as you might have heard we're we're trying out audiobooks in the US and that's going to launch in in other markets as well going forward and and probably end up here as well uh sometime next year so uh, we're looking at this as verticals. So we have a music vertical, we have a podcast vertical, and now we're going to have a, an audiobook vertical. And those boundaries are are starting to blur a little bit as well. So yeah, I, I definitely think there's room for development going forward. Interesting, because you're kind of ahead of me in the questions. Yeah, that <laughs> No, it's perfect. Uh, but I meant I was going to ask if there was anything else launching then, except for like music and podcasts. And now you say audiobooks, like, is there more than audiobooks or like... Uh, I'm I'm sure there are uh, yeah. or there is. I I uh, we uh, audiobooks is what's next for us, uh, yeah. and and podcast has only been around for since uh, 2018. Like I said, so it's it's we're moving fast, uh, moving forward pretty fast, and and uh, I just think this way of of looking at it, at looking at Spotify as as a platform where we're going to be able to launch new verticals and and new types of content is. Uh, uh, that makes it easier to see where we're going. Mm. Uh, and even though we, we, like we can't, or I can't at this point specify exactly what that will be, it's, it's I think from, a, from an outside perspective, it's easy to understand that there are more types of content that's going to follow. Um, so yeah. Interesting. So I, I have a few follow-up questions because my, my head's get spinning on, on this, of course. But uh, I also read somewhere that uh, Sweden is like one of the most uh, podcast listening nations in the world. So I guess here... It's another way of like adding new content compared to other markets. Uh, would you mind sharing a bit of what you see there? Or I guess you're in the Nordic market, so maybe focus on those. Yeah, I think, I mean, Sweden specifically, but but pretty much all Nordic markets are usually ahead of the curve. In, mm. in, in like we're, we're, We seem to be more curious than a lot of other markets and more open to, to trying out new features and ideas and, and new types of content as well. So I think... It's not really a surprise that we took to podcast as fast as we did. Obviously, podcast has been around before Spotify got into it, but it opened opened it up for a lot of people that that maybe hadn't felt invited to that type of of storytelling before. But I don't think one should underestimate our position here either. Like, obviously, it's easier for us to as the service for for audio now, music before, but audio now to present content that we think fit a specific user's. Uh, preferences so so obviously it was easier for for us here in sweden and, and the nordics too uh or not necessarily easier but it's it's more contained to to one service so when we introduced podcast it became available to a lot of people and that's why i think we're ahead of the curve right now but other markets are catching up as well so it's not just it's not just us mm. uh, uh even though you're right we have converted more music listeners than most other countries so far. And when it comes to like audio uh, books, <laughs> I mean, audio was everything, but the, the audio books, well, if we can kind of go back, as I remember it back in 2008, uh, you were kind of like fighting the music industry a bit because, you know, you were doing what everybody wanted, but <laughs> except for those earning the money. And then when it came to podcasts, I guess you kind of had another way of entering the business because I guess most were happy because you 
kind of gave them a lot of a bigger audience. So I don't see that much friction in that. In audiobooks, we kind of have a market, at least here in the Nordics, that are, is a bit paved up. So like we have Storytel, um, Nextory and, and so forth. Do you think there will be uh, more friction when you launch that here? Is that where you launched in the US from the beginning or is there anything else? No, that's that's got more to do with uh, licensing and deal making, I think, yeah. uh, for, for this specific test. And and we tried different types of features and, and, and uh, stuff like that all over the world at different points. So uh, that has less to do with it, I think. Something we talk about and something that I feel is really important is that when we engage with a new vertical, in this case, audiobooks, it's important from from our position, especially in the Nordics, to, to add something to that industry. Like we want to make sure that we make it better for creators or better for the industry to thrive or make money or, or grow their audience or whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I mean, it depends on the stakeholder, right? Maybe there was some friction in the beginning because streaming were challenging the, the business model at the time. But once people saw that streaming could be equally, if not more rewarding from, from a financial perspective, uh, a lot of minds changed quickly. And, and with podcasts, it was more about the mainstreamification of it that that was podcast was something that that was done independently and and very much from one creator to to the listeners that you could get to to sort of engage with it but it was no easy way really to engage with podcast outside of of uh, the product that can be found in the iPhone so so you're right that Spotify has made it more available or different types of content more available and that uh, that definitely helps mm, interesting this is a question I don't even know if there is an answer to, but um, in music, in my head, there is so a, kind of a clear, like these are the mainstream music, like it's pop and it's the top list and everything versus in my head, podcast has always been kind of niche. Like you have a clear interest and there is a podcast about that. Are there mainstream podcasts today? Well, Joe Rogan can be said to be mainstream, I think, with the with the global reach and, and the type of audience he brings in every week and month. But that's a rare exception. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think the point of podcast is for it to be niche. And I think it sort of goes hand in hand with the with the destruction of the monoculture. Mm. Like we don't we all watch the same TV show anymore. We don't all listen to the same music anymore. And we definitely don't listen to the same podcasts. And I think that goes back to sort of the purpose of the podcast, which is obviously for learning and for for um, a feeling of joy but it's for a lot of people it's also a companionship like it's it's to have a voice in your ear in your room when you're doing something else so it's almost like having a friend there so i think um, a podcast is niche for sure and i think that's the purpose of it and that's what we're trying to uh, build out an ecosystem for that makes sense from a commercial perspective too so you can make money off having a podcast that might not touch all the people in Sweden, but you can still uh, find a way to make money from it. Mm. So now we're going to talk a bit about the audiences, but I'm jumping in with one question here. Do you kind of profile podcasts then and see, well, I, I, I just assume that um, based on all the data you have about music, you know, if I like pop or if I like uh, electric music or something, uh, do you also do that with podcasts when you do recommendations that like you have listened to this uh, podcast and like use that as data? Yeah, there's a, both. I mean, and it, this is an unnecessarily complicated answer to your straightforward question. But uh, if you take our podcast or our documentary feed, for example, mm. it's called Spotify Doc. So mm. we populate that with all our documentaries that we make in one feed to reach the people interested in documentaries specifically. Mm. So that's true on one hand. On the other hand, the behavior is so different from the way you consume music that the challenge is really to get people to 
listen to one more podcast than the one they're already listening to. So, so it's more about serving different uh, different purposes or different uh, needs from from a listener perspective. So you might want to laugh on a Thursday when you walk home from school or work or whatever, but you might want to learn something on a Monday morning. Mm. So it's introducing types of content that make sense in the behavior of that person in any specific day. Uh, but what it's ultimately about is building habits. Mm. So that's what we're trying to do with with the recommendations that we do. And but it's the same with podcast and music that you can't we we can't force feed anybody anything. Like we can't create a hit or we can't create podcast success just by pushing it out there. You have to find the right person at the right time, and that's how you introduce content, and that's how you make somebody discover it and and make it their own. What I'm drawing from what you're saying is that uh, also with music, a song is what three minutes. With podcast, there are maybe half an hour, so it's I guess harder to get someone to switch subject and listen another half an hour or an hour or maybe sometimes two hours compared to three more minutes. Absolutely, and also like, and that's an important distinction with podcasts as well. If an if an episode is thirty to forty five minutes, the average listener listens three or four times. So you start to listen, then you pause and do something else, and then you continue, and then you pause, mm. and then you finish it. So um, the way you consume a podcast looks very different than how you consume music. Do we see any behavior of people re-listening to the same podcasts? Oh, absolutely. Yeah? Yeah, mm. yeah. And, and that's what I mean by companionship. A, lo- a lot of people use their podcast as, like, they, they feel like they're friends, basically. Mm. So so it's more about having that person in the room with you. And if they're talking about something you like in a way that you like it, then people can definitely re-listen. I mean, obviously that's not the norm, but it happens for sure. Okay, so hey friends, I just want to tell you I yeah. miss you. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so uh, in your role, how do you help artists and creators um, like now and what are your plans for the future? Um, it's one of our most important areas going forward is to introduce opportunities and, and tools for creators to uh, to build their own success. That's ultimately what we're, what we're trying to do, right? Is to offer ways to creators, be it artists or producers or songwriters or podcasters, to take control of their career so they can make the decisions they need, who they want to work with at what time, and and how much they want to invest in their own career and make the right choices. So, for us to to uh, create opportunities that could be tools that could be selling tickets or selling merchandise or or uh, just get their music discovered is ultimately what we're doing so uh, i would say that's the most important field going forward but that's something that we've been doing for a long time so it's more building on what we have mm. uh, but it's different than being a distribution platform it's taking a more active role in in the development of, of artists careers i would say so like Can you paint me a picture here? I'm what, what am I? 17 and I'm starting a rock band. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you help me already when I get started, or do I have to have had like 10 concerts and be someone before you? Help That's me? an excellent question, actually, and it all depends on on what you compare that to. Like yeah. if you're starting a band today, you have really equal opportunities with any other artist in the world, mm-hmm. but you're also competing with every other artist in the world. So you pitch your music the same way that any rock band would yeah. through Spotify for Artists, which is the home uh, where you have all your information and all your tools and everything. So you pitch your music through there. They reach our editors who make editorial decisions on whether or not that specific song should be playlisted in in the right context for the right type of audience. But even if a, an editor chooses not to playlist your song, you still have your song on Spotify. You can still reach an audience just by having your music available to them. So there are so many ways to to work with Spotify as a distribution platform for you as a band. But you have to, I think in this current climate, it, it the demands on you as a creator or the people you choose to work with is is tougher than it used to be. So even though 
the whole process is more democratic, it's still, it takes a lot of work to succeed. And, and obviously the competition is harder than ever. So it's... Um, uh, Both easier and harder yeah. at the same time. But I think yeah. it's good. Like you have to want it. I think that's the point. If you want to be a successful creator in any field, it's so tough to make it and it's mm. so hard to reach through. That's like the... The biggest challenge is to get anyone to care about anything that you're doing, basically, because mm. the options are endless. But that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to give options and opportunities and, and tools to those type of creators so that they can help themselves. My job isn't to make any one artist in Sweden successful. Mm. It's to work with artists who can show other artists in their community how to work with and on Spotify. Mm. We can kind of draw a parallel because you used to be a CMO in your previous life. Uh, and I think it's kind of the same thing for a company as well. Like there is a lot of tools out there, and mm-hmm. but you really need to figure out a way to make people care. So I guess it's applicable in both worlds, just different. Yeah, absolutely. And knowing your audience, right? That's yeah. that's the most important thing. And, and if you're a new band starting out, I don't think your head should be in growth mode necessarily. It should be in creating the best possible music and then people will find your music and they will care and if you find 10 people that they can turn into 100 and then it will grow from there yeah that's so true i think what's what streaming does and what spotify is trying to do better than than the competition is to to uh, be the best place for exporting music too and we see that clearly when we look at music streaming economics that more artists than ever is reaching an audience outside of the top 10 countries so you don't have to come from the us or england anymore to be successful in, in markets outside of mm. your own. And in the old system, it was very hard for an artist in, in uh, a smaller country anywhere in the world to, to reach outside of your city or your country. It was almost practically impossible if you didn't have distribution help and you had to pay a, a lot of money to, to get that. But today your music is available to anyone in the world. So you mm. can build communities in different ways, much more like how social networks work. Interesting. And uh, would you say that this is due to English becoming even more mainstream today? Or can it be in local languages? It can absolutely be in local languages. And we see that too. And especially in a more global world, when you have uh, diasporas popping up all over the world, like that might connect to your cultural expression. You can find those audiences anywhere. Mm. Uh, obviously, there are, for in our case, Swedes living uh, yeah. pretty much anywhere in the world. And you can reach those by by putting out a song in Swedish that connects to them in some way. So, uh, and that works both ways. So I heard in another pod, and we actually talked about this before, that you were the first market to combine um, music and podcast in the same team. And I also know that Sweden is, as we said before, one of the like biggest um, podcast uh, listening nations in the world. Like, is this combination what has made that happen or was this combination happening afterwards and like how, what is the relationship between that? And I, I hope and I think that this has something about how we are, like we like to collaborate basically. Mm. I think a lot of other functions within the company operates as functions and mm. that makes sense definitely in, in, in different parts of the world and for different reasons. But for us, it made sense to try to collaborate as much as possible since our goal is to add as much value as possible to creators. So it, it didn't really make sense to keep that knowledge and that expertise in, in closed off functions or silos. So we wanted to share that across a lot more. And we work cross-functionally, not only between music and podcasts, but also with comms and marketing and, and sales and other functions that, that we need to get our story out. Ultimately, we're storytellers. We, we need to, to uh, get the word out about what we're doing, and that's how we create value. Mm. Uh, so we're dependent on on 
a lot of different functions within the company. And we feel like if we're collaborative and we try to be interested in the, in the work that other people are doing within the company as well, we have a lot to win on that. Yeah. And I think you also said before that in the end, all our creators, they are just putting their creations out in different formats. Yeah. I kind of like that as well as a way of phrasing why you should work uh, in the same way. I mean, you're a huge company. How do you drive growth today? I mean, just the fact that we do. Uh, in, in a lot of emerging markets, we're still launching in new markets. So I would say that, I mean, if you look at India or, or any of those markets that we're fairly new into, Southeast Asia and, mm. and, and those parts of the world, there's so much to do. Africa is just opening up and uh, just trying not to talk about Africa as, as Africa, but the actual countries and the different regions and, and uh, be really mindful of what works where and and mm. and so so i think i mean that's not really the issue the issue is more for us from a scandinavian perspective like there's only so much growth left for us yeah. so it's but that's i i really like that challenge about looking at whatever the next step might be mm. going to podcast was one way of doing it moving into audiobooks is another but i think we can't lose focus or 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 disregard the fact that a very, very big part of the consumption on Spotify is still music. So we have to keep developing the music industry as well. Yeah, I'm kind of uh, just reflecting a bit, or we were before um, reflecting on uh, my own behavior. And I realized that I listen to podcasts in Spotify, but I also tend to still feel it as a music app because I, I you know, I, I did that for 10 years. So sometimes yeah. I go in planning to listen to podcasts, but end up listening to music. How do you uh, work with those challenges? <laughs> I mean, that was something we talked about from the beginning, right? Like, should podcast be in its own app yeah. or not? And mm -hmm. I think the the insight then, which I think turned out to be true, was that for most people, it makes sense to have it in one app. Yeah. Obviously, it becomes more cluttered, but that's something we're trying to solve for as well. The, one of the latest updates was the option for users to separate music from podcast up in the in the home screen, so you can actually push music if you just want music recommendations or podcast if that's what you're looking for. But for most people, it's going to be a mix of both, mm. even though most people still listen much more to music than podcast. Mm. Interesting. What is your like North Star metric? Like, how do you know that you're successful? Me personally? Both you and the company or yeah, in mean, Scandinavia, the, maybe? The, yeah. I mean, the company has, has its North Star in, in, in the mission yeah. uh, to reach billions of, of or engage billions of fans with, with the creations of millions of, of creators. Mm. So I think that's definitely in there for for me on the content side of spotify in the nordics it's really about trying to create engagement ultimately and and, and really make sure that people uh, discover music discover podcast build new habits um engage with the content they're they're listening to and there's a saying in turning a listener into a fan and and that's sort of about frequency and about listening behavior so we look a lot at, at that too that's not those aren't north star targets yeah. but but they're still important to us to make sure that we uh engage audiences and and uh get them turned on to the service yeah because uh, like just looking at the app i can find some metrics that would be kind of interesting you know finished uh, uh episodes or songs like how many you listen to and stuff but I, i assume that due to the fact that you have so much data you can do so much more fun metrics like how do you measure if someone is a fan for example i i assume it's more sophisticated that i i'm following something <laughs> yeah and and there are so many ways of looking at that yeah. uh, and you're right there there are thousands of metrics that, that we could and do look at mm. and uh, as an example it's so hard to say going back to the fact that podcast is a niche type of expression or or it's a niche media i guess is that like what would you say a successful podcast is 
is it the amount of listeners in a week or a month or a catalog over time? Or is it how many people care on social media? Or is it the type of feedback you get? There are so many different ways depending on what you're trying to achieve. And I think uh, that speaks to, to how hard it is to, to find one metric to, to rule them all, so to speak. But obviously, we're looking at everything you mentioned, like amount of listeners. Are they staying on the service consumption time, mm. frequency? On the music side, we're looking at how they're engaging with playlists. Are they skipping songs in a playlist? Are, are we, can we design an experience that makes you want to stay on the service for a longer time, if that's the intended purpose? So... Um, I know this is a vague answer, but there are so many different ways to measure success for us that it, it doesn't really m- make sense to single one out. I yeah, think. I see. It's kind of the combination of them all that yeah. makes the magic. Uh, I think in another podcast you said that, um, because I never understood this as a listener, but you actually have people kind of responsible for the playlist. I thought in my mind they were always like done by an AI or yeah. something, but you actually have people kind yeah. of... Uh, putting them together. We really believe that's uh, that's a differentiator for us. Mm. Uh, though, obviously, a lot of podcasts are algorithmically created or or algorithmical, as we say, some sort of a hybrid between uh, an actual person and, and the computer. But a lot of like the biggest podcasts we, we run here, we call them own and operated, uh, are created by us and, and curated by us mm. uh, with the purpose of, of being culturally relevant. And I don't think that's still something that a human does better if they have their ear to the ground and and if they're themselves a part of culture, it's easier to understand why a specific song makes sense in this context or in this order. Mm. Obviously, you can try that out and maybe test it and everything, but this we like to to keep it like this. And I also think it matters to creators and artists that they know that there's a person making a decision. Even if you don't agree with it, at least somebody cared about your music and... and, uh, and uh, made it made a choice, a conscious choice. Interesting. So um, I know now, for example, I tested this service where you can uh, you can type a few keywords and it generates an image for you, and the image actually contains like uh, what I wrote. Do you think in the future that we will have, or maybe we do already? I shouldn't say because I don't know. Do, will we have like AI generated podcast episodes and music? Yeah. I think that exists and I think uh, that's terrible, but that's just the way it is, right? That's obviously those tools are going to be better and they're going to be more catered to to that specific listener. The, the way it's being used today in podcasts, for example, is that you can directly translate your podcast to any language mm. in a second, basically, and, and make sure that it's available to anyone all around the world. The problem is that that's not how people listen to podcasts or why they listen to podcasts. They need still uh, more often than not, a personal connection and some sort of feeling and, and uh, intimacy in the voice the, that you listen to. So, uh, but you're right; it's definitely coming. And there are a lot of AI projects in music that that has been tried out. Some successful, some still not successful, and uh, they're not unproblematic. But if it can be done, it will be done. Yeah. Okay. But still, I have I have some uh, something left. Yeah, I can create out. emotion. Turn those episodes out. <laughs> So uh, one reflection I did when listening to what you do and, and Spotify and everything, uh, in my head, uh, we talk a lot about product-led growth, which I think you it obviously did in the beginning, but now it's almost like you have content-led growth. Is that a concept or am I making it up? No, I think that's fair. I think I would even say creator. Yeah, um, okay. So, mm-hmm. so uh, and especially for us again here with, with the position and, and penetration we have in the market, we can't look at growth the same way anymore as a lot of the emerging markets do because they have so much still to gain and win mm. and we don't. So we have to look 
at the next step. And I think if you look at the, the strategy over the coming years, and, and Daniel Ek has been talking about this as well, it's, uh, it's about being a, a, a true platform. So, and to me, that means being a platform where creators and, and listeners, fans can meet. And it's not just about transactions, but it's the, the interaction between uh, artist and, and listener. And to, I mean, today already you can, you can buy tickets and you can buy merch. And, and that's, uh, I think that's just the first steps of, of sort of building onto the offer between, between artist and, and fan. So mm. there's probably going to be a lot of development in that, uh, trying to create more value for artists on Spotify while serving the users in a meaningful way. Mm, interesting. Because now we're getting into another question I wanted to ask you. Like, how are you working with monetization, uh, yeah. except for like premium and so forth? Yeah, I think that's, that is that is the answer. Yeah. I, th I think, uh, and it's the same with podcasts where, I mean, obviously ad inventory is one way of, of making sure that you can make money off your podcast. But... There are other ways as well. You can put your podcast behind a paywall on Spotify today as a creator mm. to sort of start your own subscription service on Spotify. If you feel like you have enough loyal listeners that would that would pay for your content. So Spotify becomes more of a platform. Mm. And there are, are ways for, for publishers to put their content on Spotify behind their own paywall so that you log in with their uh, credentials and, and uh, so they keep the transactional relationship with the consumer but it's being listened to on spotify so so those are two examples of, of ways to make it easier for partners and creators to make money on spotify uh, and if you look at it on the music side it's it's more of what i described as giving artists more opportunities to to uh, connect with their fans in different ways and if you have a loyal enough fan base and and an engaged enough fan base they probably going to be willing to see you live when you stop by sweden and they're probably going to want to buy your merchandise and and a lot of other different things as well. And we want to be an enabler in that. But the control should be with the artist mm. still. So uh, basically there is very, because in my head there might be some conflict between like premium and like the ads that are in the free version and stuff. But basically you have so many different types uh, of monetization solutions that they don't clash. Yeah, I, I don't think they do. But it, th this is part of the education as well. When you're paying for Spotify today, you're buying the, the, you're buying a, an ad-free music experience. Mm. Uh, so podcast is is being, that's up to the creator if they want ads in their podcast or not. Swedish radio, for example, don't have ads in their content for obvious reasons. Mm. So that's ad-free uh, and can be listened to for free on Spotify as well. Mm. But if you choose to have ads in your podcast today as an external creator, you get 100% of that return. Ah, interesting. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I also want to talk some about audiences. Sure. So, like for example, how do you segment your audiences? Because you have so many. We do, and we do, we segment them for different reasons. Uh, from my perspective, we're focusing very much on Gen Z right now, as everyone else. But for us, it's it's uh, just because that's where the biggest. I think change is happening so fast today. If you, I mean, Spotify is not that old, but it totally disrupted the music industry when it came. But if you talk to a 17-year-old today, they have no idea what existed before Spotify. No. Spotify <laughs> is the norm and they have never known anything else. So everything new that's coming up is challenging the norm, yeah. which is an interesting way of looking at Spotify because to me, it's Spotify is still sort of a startup and, and something that's is still growing and still being sort of a, a disruptor. But obviously new types of services are coming out, new ways of consuming culture. Uh, we see that in different apps. And, and that's 
not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, uh, and it's not something that's uh, strange or or uncommon. It's just something that we have to respect and, and sort of understand and 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 see how that should should reflect on our service as well. So, if this new generation is kind of thinking of you as well, I guess old <laughs> almost. Like, what are their requirements? What do they uh, want to see from you guys to be more? innovative or disruptive yeah i think you can i mean if you look at how how a teenager uh, consumes culture today it's it's either and and that's the part that gets the most attention is the shorts right like you consume them in clips or very short audio segments or in a in a like a flow that that you scroll through uh and that's how you build your like that's why clusters like segmenting teenager for example isn't really about where you live or or experience even necessarily it's more about what you what you experience together so it's more and it happens so fast that it's like trends happen and die before anyone outside of that cluster can even react to it so that's a challenge definitely but on the other hand the younger demographics is also the ones that grows the fastest in podcast which is really about spending a lot of time with the same type of content and not really be disruptive so but that's more of understanding the user and understanding your your audience and and the motivation behind those different ways of consuming culture. I, I don't think anyone who creates a podcast for a 17-year-old should expect them to sit and pay attention for 45 minutes because that's just not how they listen. But they love to have the audio in the room while they're doing something else. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Because I never thought about this from the 17-year-old perspective, but it seems like content in general is kind of moving into like either super short or very long. Yeah. Like... Uh, I, I think I would have been surprised maybe five years ago to know that people listen to two-hour podcasts. Yeah. Uh, so, like, what will we have in the future? Like, eight-hour podcasts? Or, like, where is this moving? No, but I think it yeah. makes sense. Like, if, if you look at... And I have no basis in this way of thinking. I'm just doing it off the top of my head. But if you look at how the magazine industry changed, the, the paper magazines that mm-hmm. used to exist way back... <laughs> like, remind of, me. Tens of years ago... <laughs> What what you saw was that the midsection pretty much uh, evaporated. It mm. just disappeared. Like the the tabloids and the cheap gossipy type of magazines, they lived on for a long, long time. And also the premium ones, mm. like the ones that actually gave more value than than what the midsection could do. And I think it's the same here. I, I mean, obviously, people still listen to a lot of different music for different reasons at different times. But of, younger people tend to be more curious and more interested in finding new music than older people do so i think uh, you see the frequency in how they consume music is is one indicator a 40 year old today knows what they like and they listen to it when they want to listen to it every once in a while but it's a more that behavior is more aligned with how it was before when you listen to cd or lp mm. while kids uh, now with the availability just uh, can listen to a song non-stop for two weeks and then it's over uh, so I'm kind of jumping a bit here now, but earlier you were mentioning like uh, you might want uh, one type of content on Monday morning and another one on Thursday afternoon or something. Like, have you mapped up the audio day or audio week? And like, do you have, I don't know, maybe some tips to a podcast creator or music creator on how we can use that information? Uh, Yeah, and that information is out there. Like there are, just like posting on Instagram, there are better days and times to release your podcast on Mm. depending on what you want to achieve. Again, like Mm. not everyone wants to reach as many people as possible and hope that they're catching on. I I think it's probably better to, to try to focus on your content to begin with and then the distribution comes comes after. 
But you should definitely pay attention to who you think your audience is and what their life looks like. Mm. Uh, are they in school? Are they out early in the afternoons? Are they like, do they need company every afternoon of the week? Maybe you should make shorter episodes and release them every day for a while and see if that works. Or every time you think you know how it works, somebody comes along and breaks the rule and they're successful for it. I, one of our biggest podcasts a few years ago was, was a podcast by a guy called Joe Budden. And that was basically talk radio for three hours. And people were there for it from the beginning to end. And it, it's impossible. And you can't explain it because it shouldn't work like that. But it did for him. And uh, But I think we're going to see a lot of experimentation in, in formats and frequency and, and uh, more trying to adapt to the lifestyle of your intended audience. Interesting. Because I think a lot from what I've been learned on, uh, learned on podcast and podcast, uh, assume here I'm listening to like entrepreneurship and marketing podcasts and so forth to kind of give you the context is that it's kind of all about what the user is expecting. So to kind of, you know, hit or decide what to do and then stay, stay with it, which is kind of like when I think about it and when you're saying this, the opposite of everything else I do with marketing where you're testing a Trying lot. Trying to disrupt, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So like, uh, is there a point where you should stick to your routine or like... Yeah, I, I, again, both, I think. I mean, obviously, like I said in the beginning, it's about building habits and you need to make it easy for people to find and, and consume your content. And you usually do that if you know that the podcast is coming out at eight o'clock every Thursday morning, mm. that's when you listen to it yeah. or start listening to it and maybe you finish on a Sunday, but at least you have a rhythm to it but i think like uh, if you're an experienced podcast listener you usually tend to listen to between five or seven podcasts at the same time for different reasons mm -hmm. so i get my maybe i have a news podcast and maybe i have one or two sports podcasts and then i have some conversational podcasts that i just like to listen to when i take a walk so the the hard part again is to get anyone to care and and uh so there is definitely something in, in trying to be more long-term and make it easy for people over time. But I think if you're just starting out, it, it never hurts to to try to be a little bit disruptive as well and, and try to get people's attention by doing it a bit different than everyone else's. Hmm, interesting. We, I mean, this podcast is kind of focused on the Nordic countries. Like, do you see any, when it comes to audiences and behavior and listening, is there any particular differences between the markets here or are we similar? We're similar to markets who are in the same type of position as we are with the where streaming is is sort of the norm and, and where you consume culture in the same way. I, that's one of the most frequent questions I get is like, what's next? As if there is a content trend in podcasts that's going to make documentaries or conversational podcasts obsolete. And I don't think that's the case. I think more and more pod people are still coming into podcasts. It's going to take years for them to build up the habits of listening to more than one or two or three podcasts. And, and when they do, they're going to be more open to uh, to different types of new storytelling. One of the things that we've been trying out, for example, is, is we, we call them podcast books. They're sort of a hybrid between uh, an audiobook and a podcast. And mm -hmm. it sort of challenges the way you you um, uh, you've listen to podcasts before. Obviously, Swedish Radio has done this for a long time and, and others are doing it as well. But I think... From my, why I think is so exciting is that you look at uh, a podcast adaptation of a literary work, for example, the same way you would a TV show. So if if you make a TV show out of from a book, for example, you somebody writes a screenplay and you do it for TV the way people should experience it while watching it, and that hasn't really been done in audio. Mm. So you 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 write a book and then somebody reads it from the first letter to the last, and that's those are your choices basically. 
but I think there's a product in there where you sort of remake the book for a podcast listening audience and you can build the soundscapes and you can build the, uh, the dramatization of it. And you don't have to tell the exact same story in the exact same sequence as you do in the book. You can mm. see it as an adaptation. That's just one way of, I think, expanding storytelling in podcast. And there are others. We're, we're doing a scripted uh, sitcom now, for example, and we did a major big audio drama as well. Uh, not necessarily to, to get massive listening on the first week, but more showing the audience that there is something else out there and something new is coming. Okay, yeah. I, I need to dig into my Spotify app. I feel I've missed yeah. so much. <laughs> uh, but this is kind of a part of my next question, uh, because especially like in social media and so forth, it's easy to get into your like filter bubble. I don't know if that's an English expression. Yeah, good. <laughs> but like, uh, does that happen within the Spotify platform as well? That like, you know, uh, you kind of figure out what I like and I keep getting those recommendations and, and I never see what's kind of outside of that. It's not supposed to work like that, but but you can totally see it. If you start listening to a few songs, you're going to get those in more playlists that fits that context. Mm. And usually that's something positive. And you want to like, I think the recommendation is supposed to work for you the way you want to discover new music or new types of genres. A lot of people don't want to, they're not looking for something new to listen to. They want to be in a world of I don't know, Bruce Springsteen and the uh, artists who are like him. Yeah. And if, if you, the recommendation is to feed in songs from other artists who sounds so similar to what Bruce does, then that's the positive experience. If you're a younger listener, you're going to want more new music that sounds different. And, and uh, I think our recommendation engine in, on the music side is, is pretty good right now. And I think it's, it's getting better. But that's, it's subjective, right? It depends on what you want at any given moment. I think the interesting part is that that's the expectation now. Yeah, You're expecting that from the service to just cater to your specific needs at this precise time you're thinking about it. <laughs> Can you read my mind, please? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but most times you don't really know what you're looking for. You just want something. I yeah. mean, this type of mood, just serve me. And you should be able to find something uh, fairly quickly that, that suits that need. Uh, I think that's when we're successful. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can kind of see it. I'm, I'm playing my Spotify moments yeah. in my head while uh, talking to you. Another thing that I think was pretty cool that you did, um, and I don't know how many actually use this, but uh, you had an integration with uh, RunKeeper, you have one, where you can kind of um, run uh, to different paces and so forth, uh, which I love that service. And it's also kind of like making me like music and the songs I'm listening to even more because I'm releasing endorphins and everything like that. How are you working in other ways to kind of connect feelings to the music listening i don't know if you can do that with podcasts i guess you can do that with podcasts as well uh yes but it's harder for sure and and the the consumption patterns are different so but with music it's it's being done in a lot of different ways i can't really relate to the runkeeper because i wouldn't even run to the bus myself but i'm sure that's <laughs> a wonderful experience for those who try that i would get annoyed if my favorite songs were playing when i was like when i couldn't hear myself thinking because i'm breathing so hard but i understand your sentiment the theory yeah <laughs> I think uh, just understanding that people listen to music for different reasons uh, is sort of a basic understanding. And I think from a marketing perspective, we've been looking at doing campaigns aimed at uh, connecting with your plants. What music does uh, growing plants respond to? Do they like pop or rock or slow or fast or high or low? And and uh, I saw another campaign where, where it was pretty much the same type of... Um, 
sentiment, but for for pets instead of plants. Mm. So I think uh, just looking at what's important to people and understanding that, take the pandemic, for example, a lot of people spend time at home growing stuff for the first time. Like, how can we be, how, how can we sort of uh, soundtrack that for you? So that mm. when you're doing something new, something you like, you want your audio experience to be, to be catered to that. And uh, yeah, so, so there are definitely experimentations around that. Interesting, because now you're getting me into like more phenomenons, like there is like brainwave music and focus yeah. music and, and so forth. And I, I know I've seen a few of these, like you have the categories, mm-hmm. but the, but that sort of category, has, has that also been part of the categories or like how do you incorporate that into the app, those sort of, sort of experiments? Yeah, I mean, you, you can dive into the different hubs that we have if you go to search and, and just look, there are so many different ways of, of clustering music into, I, I would, I mean, something we talk a lot about on the editorial side now is that genres are less important especially to young people it's mm. more it's almost exclusively about context now so mm. you can cluster different songs together that wouldn't wouldn't have made sense before because one is rock and one is slow beats and and another is is uh, pop music whatever and and you can cluster those together because you have a shared experience in that target audience and and that has a lot to do with how you consume culture and social networks and so on so maybe genres are are becoming less important and context and mood is becoming more important and that's where sort of playlists make sense i think to to um so it's not always about introducing a song or recommending a song it's more recommending a context that you feel familiar with or or happy to engage with. Do you think that can be applicable to creators as well? Like I'm not a music creator myself, but could you create rock and like uh, uh, electronic? Could the same band be creating for a context instead of for a genre? Uh, I don't think that's how it works, but I theoretically, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that should be your, or I shouldn't say that. I I don't care and I, I shouldn't care, but I think from a creative perspective, you just you're creating art, right? Yeah. So you're gonna put out whatever feels right to you in that moment, and you can't be worried about what people are are into right now. You have to get your stuff out, and and I think that's the most important, and always gonna be the most important, mm. uh, rather than trying to cater to some need that your audience might have for the next fifteen minutes, and then it might be something else. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. All right, uh, so we actually have gotten through the whole long list of questions, but I have one final one I always ask. Uh, so what haven't I asked you about that I should have asked you about? Probably something about football, I think. Oh, really? <laughs> I don't know how to... <laughs> no, I don't know. There are so many different things to talk about with streaming and music and podcast. And, and uh, we're working in a market where Spotify is is the number one platform and, and don't have the same type of competition as others. That creates its benefits, but also uh, something that we have to look out for, uh, especially now with n- we're talking about old competition and new competition, and maybe even reflecting on competition as th- that's a business term. I feel like that's mm. not necessarily a problem for the user or the creator. So we're trying to think more like them and and cater to their needs and and service them. And if we do that, I think we're going to be successful. Mm. Interesting. I have- one final, I sure. just realized based on what you said. I mean, most of uh, the listeners to this podcast is, you know, they have a much smaller audiences, audience than you have today. But what can they still learn from you guys and how you work? I think the core understanding of why Spotify is successful is that it's so easy to use. Mm. And that's the most important thing. And this is not a secret. Everyone knows this. But just uh, the fact of, of making it easy for people to, to discover the music they want to listen to and that it's ubiquitous. 
if that's the way you say it in English, but just the fact that you can bring it with you from your mobile to your computer and, and whatever other device you listen to and, and the experience just continues is, uh, has proven to be the most, like the, the, the most basic functions are the most important ones, I feel like. Everything else is gravy. Mm. So everything you're testing now and experience uh, or like that's just the cherries on top. Yeah, definitely important. And and I think the the requirements change. But if we're talking about how to get people hooked from the beginning, if, if mm. I mean, we spent 10 years trying to build a product that, that we wanted people to want to use. Mm. And if you look at it like that, then uh, the simplicity of it and, and uh, availability and, and just access is was definitely the key. Well, thank you, Yuan. It's been fantastic having you here. I've learned so much. So I, I hope you enjoyed it too. <laughs> yes, very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening in to our podcast, Winning in the Nordics, presented by AppsFlyer. You know where to find us. Subscribe and leave us a review on Apple, Google, Spotify, and all good podcast apps. 